Behind every amazing flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown. A behind-the-scenes look at new flavors and the chefs, pastry chefs, and bartenders who create them with your host, Emmanuel. I am your host, Emmanuel Roche. Thank you very much for listening today. Every other week, I interview chefs, pastry chefs, and bartenders to discover their secrets behind the scenes. I want to know what compelled them to become a chef or bartender. I want to learn everything about their creative process and discover the unknown ingredients that are finding their way in their drinks and dishes. Today is episode number 10. And as usual, you can find the show notes at flavorsunknown.com. Click on the episode page. I have a special guest today. He's not a chef, but he works with them. He's not a bartender, but he has sommelier in his title. His name is Philippe Wolf. He is a cannabis sommelier, and he is the owner of Cultivating Spirits in Colorado, where recreational cannabis is legal. So today we are going to talk a lot about cannabis, and especially its pairing with food. Hey, hi, Phil. Good to have you on uh, Flavors Unknown today. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good, Emmanuel. How are you doing? Pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. I'm excited to have you on the show today uh, because uh, you are a special guest, obviously. You know, so far I've been talking with chefs and bartenders. So you are a certified cannabis sommelier. You smoke, you know, you eat and, and you drink. What does that mean to be a, a certified cannabis sommelier? Yeah, so, I mean, essentially it's about educating the people on cannabis, but also serving it at the same time. So as a wine sommelier, as a cicerone, would be able to educate you and serve you, you know, beer or wine. It's, it's that same thought process. You know, we do cannabis pairing dinners and that's what I specialize in. So I do a lot of cannabis and food pairings is what I mainly use my certifications for and my, you know, a lot of self-developed theories that we've come up with over the years. So would you say a little bit that cannabis is almost like wine? Because, you know, if in wine, you are talking about soil, you're talking about the sun, the terroir, you know, the aroma, you know, you can have an aroma that could be... Uh, earthy and mushroomy and I'm, I'm guessing that's you know for some of the the string you know you can have something similar so do you think this is a little bit between cannabis and wine a little bit of the same story yeah there's a lot of similarities you know i mean you have different varietals of cannabis you know in the sense of different types of strains and there's a lot of things that make up that strain that make it identifiable from a different one or a different varietal and then it also does matter how much, you know, how the cannabis is grown, you know, whether it's grown, grown under the sun, whether it's grown under indoor light, you know, the type of soil or even the type of growing medium it is in general, because you have hydroponics, aeroponic soil, obviously, you know, and then the curing process, you know, and who is putting their hands on it affects, you know, the terroir, you know, the overall, the touching of the, of the plant and the soil throughout its whole process from seed to, to harvest and, and cultivated into a, a wine. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities in that sort of sense, you know, but at the same time, they're completely different. 
although we can treat them the same way, it's not necessarily, we're not dealing with the same thing. So how did you get into pairing cannabis and, and food? So how, how did you get into, um, you know, that business and, and creating uh, your company called Cultivating Spirits uh, back in 2014? I started cultivating spirits after I went to a wine experience outside of Barcelona at the end of 2013, right before recreational industry was being put in place in Colorado. And we, you know, some businesses that I was working on prior to that had to do with tourism. And my background comes from cultivation and opening up dispensaries. So I know the plant very well. We went out there and I thought of this is what we need to introduce to mainstream America to allow them to grow an appreciation for a different way to experience cannabis. And I just started exploring the ideas of cannabis and food pairings. And at first I thought it might be a play on words. And ultimately I, I figured out there's kind of a science to it once I started learning about terpenes. And so what a cannabis and food pairing is, is where we pair terpene profiles of cannabis with flavor profiles of food to harmonize and enhance. And so that's kind of the goal within it. So let, let's not go too quickly into terpenes because I, I, it's a very important aspect of uh, obviously our talk today. But can you describe a little bit what are the different components, you know, in, uh, from cannabis? So terpenes, uh, you know, obviously, but, you know, you have, you know, all the others. So, so can, you, can you describe a little bit, the, you know, all of them? There's three different types of compounds within cannabis that give you the feeling that you get when you consume. There's your cannabinoids, which is CBD, CBN, CBA, and those affect different nervous systems around your body, the endocannabinoid system. And so that's what provides a lot of healing properties of cannabis. And then there's also THC, which people are familiar with, and it gives you kind of the psychoactive feeling that cannabis will give you, you know, that, that high feeling, if you will. And then there's flavonoids, which is a little bit lesser known compound of cannabis. And then there's your terpenes, which terpenes produce the aromas, not only of cannabis, but all fruits and vegetables, flowers, plants. And within the natural world, they attract pollinators and predators I mean, detract predators. And then they also, you know, they produce aromas. They also produce these oils that help fight diseases from the plant. And when consumed by humans within cannabis and with the entourage effect it has with the other compounds of cannabis, then that's what gives you kind of gives you the type of mood that you're going to feel, you know, whether it's you feeling energetic, whether you feel creative, whether you feel focused, sedative, that's kind of determined on the terpene profile of cannabis. And then obviously the different strains so have of cannabis have different level of uh, terpenes. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. So, there's a different terpene makeup that each of the different phenotypes of strains have, you know, so there's 212 or so terpenes that exist within cannabis. There's a really predominant 16 of them. And so there'll be different percentages of like 2% myrcene, you know, 1% pinene, and there is different levels of them. And so you can really, you know, break those down in different layers of smell, ultimately when consumed and, you know, that you can identify and you can identify what those smells are associated with. So therefore you can kind of identify your high, if you will. But, you know, that really takes a trained nose to be able to identify the different levels of terpenes within cannabis. 
sativa finds and you know flowers will have you know certain type of uh, taste because of the terpene that they contain. So they could have like maybe some citrusy profile, and then some other you know can have maybe more like coffee or nutty flavors. And then this is the way how you approach it when you are putting together the pairing between you know the strains of cannabis and and food. Yeah, that's exactly how we're approaching it. You know, we're breaking down the citrus smells into it, the citrus flavors, the tropical notes. You know, there's grounding notes within it, spices, black pepper, cinnamon, clove. And there's obviously fruity smells to cannabis. And there can also be, you know, herbal smells to it as well, pine and juniper and, you know, lemongrass and stuff. So we break those down and then you know, the cannabis sommelier will pass that over to the chef and then the chef will try to mimic those in the flavors. And so the idea is to smoke and then enhance that flavor as you're eating. So opposed to wine, where a lot of times you're trying to cut the flavor, with cannabis, we're really trying to enhance the flavors and match them. For instance, I would say like if I take the super lemon haze, for instance, that probably oh, yeah. have some like citrusy notes and so on. So yep. will you pair that with maybe fish or with yogurt or, you know, that type of things? Yeah. So that will, you know, typically what we consider as high sativas and citrus strains, you know, um, I don't really believe in sativa indica. It's more about terpene profiles, making the feeling what it is. And there's so many strains over the years that have been manipulated in the black market where they're just really not what they once were. But that's a whole nother story. But, you know, if you want a general rule of thumb, it is your citrus, your kind of pine flavors, which is alpha piney, limonene, that will go with, you know, white fish with chicken, duck, you know, those types of proteins. And then your heavy indicas, which have a lot of like maricine in them, linalool, karyophylline, those are going to be spicier grounding taste to it, your coffee taste to it, you know, your parsley, you know, soil, you know, kind of moss type of taste to it. And that's going to go better with deeper red meats, kind of the earthier it is. So that's kind of a general rule of thumb that you can put. But I think when the culinary industry can be so creative, you know, I really think chefs are thinking outside of the box with things that they can do to, you know, make these flavors make themselves. What's your favorite pairing you sell? It all depends on the night, ultimately, you know, with what you feel like eating. But we've had some, you know, recently we've had some, we had a comfit dug leg with some plantain gnocchi, English blue cream, and daikon sprouts. And that was with lemon wheel, which is similar to the super lemon haze that you were speaking of earlier. So that was one that really stood out to me by Chef Edwin Sandoval out of Denver, Colorado. Recently, we also had this braised short rib with herb polenta and a chili negro sauce and with ghost plain haze and a very spicy dish, but a very spicy strain. You know, the mouthfeel on the end of that would just leave your mouth kind of buzzy and kind of allow you to be a little thirsty. So it's kind of mouth quenching. That was a really good pairing that they did. Although typically I'm not a huge braised short rib guy. So it all depends on, you know, really appreciating the art of pairing the cannabis because you can think of it in so many different ways because you do have the mouthfeel aspects of it. There is such a variety of flavors that people can play with 
and it really gives you layers. You know, there's layers of terpenes as we were discussing, as there's different levels of them. And so it really gives people the ability to layer food. So how would you describe your your creative process when you work, you know, with your colleagues and how do you start? What's the starting points and, you know, how do you apply your, your creative process? I love that question. You know, ultimately for the way that cultivating spirits works is, you know, it all starts with the cannabis sommelier breaking down the strain. Then we move to the chef. Cannabis Psalm will contact the farm and will identify strains that will be harvested about, you know, three weeks prior. That's about how much time it needs to go through a proper curing process and be at a good moisture level to serve. And then from there, we'll go through and think about the journey that we want to instill into people with the effect of the strains that they'll give you. So typically you want to start off being energizing and then working into some grounding, more sedative strains as you get through dessert. But you can take that journey wherever you want to go. And then you'll start going through your five senses of the cannabis. You'll start identifying physical attributes by just studying the cannabis and looking at the crystals. That's where all of the compounds exist that give you the effects is within the crystals of cannabis and then um, the trichomes. And then from there, you'll, you know, break into it and start, you know, feeling the density aspects of it, how sticky it is again by breaking it open and using your touch. And then you'll release the terpenes from the cannabis as they get bruised and you'll start identifying those smells in them, which we know how a lot of smells are associated to taste. And then from there, um, we'll go through a tasting. And so we'll, you know, smoke, we'll, I identify the taste on the inhalation, how it feels on my throat, because that can allow you to understand, you know, how well it was possibly cured. Then I will do a slow exhale, notice the taste on the exhalation, because typically they're different than on the inhalation. And then I, you will smack your tongue to the roof of your mouth to start getting your saliva moved around and that will give you more of an overall feel of the uh, of the taste and you'll also identify how thick the smoke is you know what the mouth feel is afterwards you know where the buzzing's coming in your mouth on your tongue you know uh, how long the lingering aftertaste is and what that is so there's a lot of other components that you would you take in you know as you're doing the tasting and And then you're just writing down your opinions of the strains and, you know, your the tasting profiles that you get. And then we'll pass those. And, and we try to be very dynamic with understanding that there's layers of flavor going on and trying to be and communicate that as well as possible to the chef. And then, you know, at that point, it's the chef's creativity to be able to design a menu that harmonizes well with the tasting description that you give them. You will have probably some things that are almost, I would say, standard because this is a type of strain and then you know the type of terpenes in there. So there is pre-established, I would say, combination with food based on all the, the multiple tasting that you have done. But as you were saying that you get the plant, like it's, it's fresh, it says, you, you know, about like three weeks. Do you have as well... Obviously, variations because it's you work with a natural product. Even with the same strain, are you going to have like different profile because the plant is different and then you will have to adjust? So the menu will be changed. 
Yeah. So I think if you're working with, you know, strains from, you know, same strain names, but they're from a different farm, then typically it's a different phenotype of the strain and they're not going to be the same. So it is important to really go through a tasting every time because like you said, it is a natural product and, and it's a, there's also a different handling process with different farms and terpenes while they're growing while the plants are growing they change terpene profiles depending on the maturity of the plant so even if you harvest at a different date the plant and all plants are individual so it's not like every strain needs to be harvested the same day you know you really got to take the plant as an individual but you know that matureness of the plant depending on when you harvest it can change the terpene profile you know we will always try to be aware of that and when we're working with similar strains but they're grown from different places it's whenever we design a menu and you know depending on how far in advance we design the menu if we're not able to go through a proper tasting and we kind of use it on past history but then acquire the strain and notice these different elements that we weren't expecting then you know we have tweaked menus before in the past to reflect that You are offering three different cannabis pairing dinners. Can you describe, you know, what's the difference between the three and then what's the experience that your guests are going through? Yeah, so we're actually about to incorporate a few more packages into our offerings so we can service, you know, just couples instead of always feeling like we have to do groups because right now everything's designed around small group dinners. I mean, we're also going to offer some higher-end packages as well. But essentially what you can expect is, you know, for our small group dinners is a, you know, it's really good for a celebratory evening. So bachelor, bachelorette, birthday parties, friends, gatherings for a unique experience, but also an educational, but bonding. And those are our three-course cannabis pairing dinners. And you can expect a cannabis sommelier, chef, serving staff coming in with your with the cannabis table setting. We treat cannabis like the third layer to the dining experience. So there's a lot of tools that go along with that to make it flow. And then um, we design a special menu just for you and your group. And we come in and teach you kind of the basis of cannabis pairings. And we'll go in through some deeper connoisseurship aspects of cannabis. And, you know, while making it a special evening for your, you know, the people who you're bonding with. And then soon we're about to just do like a chef's table. So it'll just for meant for couples or four people. And that will be where just a, a chef will come in and produce cannabis pairing dinner for you and give you some education, not to the full extent that a cannabis sommelier would, but it still allows you to have this type of experience, you know, with some loved ones. And then we kind of have our corporate packages that are available and You know, those will be bigger five course, six course dinners for 50 plus people or doing kind of hors d'oeuvre pairing hours or for, you know, 100 plus people. And so that's doing past hors d'oeuvres with cannabis pairing. So there'll be cannabis bars and little plates of cannabis being served out or joints served out with hors d'oeuvres. So those are the main offerings that Cultivating Spirits provides. What is the profile of your customers? Typically, our customers are, you know, kind of of an executive class from the Midwest, East Coast, and Deep South. It's a lot of people who don't have cannabis 
provided, you know, or legalized in where they're at. And so they want these types of experiences. So they'll come to a place like Colorado or Las Vegas to experience cannabis. And we, we offer a really safe place for those people. So yeah, that's who we primarily market to and, and get as our client base. But ultimately, cannabis is made for everybody all walks of life. So I feel like this is an experience that anybody would enjoy. And do you have a, a different approach with people that would be their first time that never had you know, an experience of uh, cannabis before? We are very aware of people's cannabis consumption when they come sit down at this. And we always, we always do our talks within the component of start very small or don't even consume at all because we want you to pay attention to your body. And that's what we're, we think is most important. And so we come at from the base of no to very light consumption, and then you can always work yourself up from there. Unless we're very well communicated that we're very experienced, you know, we'll always approach it for the person at the table who is consumes the least amount and making sure that person's comfortable. And then we can work up from that. So I don't know if you ever, I do a lot of snowboarding and um, if you're doing backcountry snowboarding, you know, you're only as fast as the slowest person that you're with because you have to be very safe with how you go about the mountain, you know? And, and so, you know, while you're waiting for everyone, you're all there as a team. And it's kind of that same sort of concept at the dinner table. But saying that, you know, it's really special seeing a lot of people who say they're not going to consume because typically there's one person or two people at all the dinners that don't want to consume with the clientele that we get, but they want to be there with their friends and they can still enjoy the same food as everything we do is through smoking. A lot of times they ended up taking like one hit of cannabis because they feel like they're in safe space. They become educated on the effects of it. They understand there's more of a mindfulness to it that they ex than they expected. And typically they try it and it's wonderful. That's my favorite part about this industry is when you see those light switches click you know, and people and, and seeing how you can use cannabis in a different way than you typically are used to seeing in the past. So how can I uh, become a cannabis uh, connoisseur? <laughs> well, first you should start off with a cultivating spirits dinner <laughs> and for to get the overall okay. concepts. So I have to come to Colorado. Yes. Yep. Yep. Colorado or Las Vegas to do that. I okay. mean, we'll, we'll fly to other legal states, but you know, it's a lot more expensive at that point. So I recommend you come into us. And then, you know, we are working on putting together an educational system, like certification system for how we see that, you know, with the knowledge that I've developed over the past five years and developing our theories and, you know, making an educational platform that everyone can go to to learn how not only the science behind cannabis, but how to serve cannabis and how to experience cannabis. So I would definitely recommend to, you know, sign up for email lists and take a look out for that. There's also a company called Tricome Institute, which they do interpreting certifications, which I think has a little bit more of a science focus to it, opposed to like a service industry focus to it. But it's definitely a great platform to look into it if you want to become more educated on cannabis. There's a uh, certification program called high class education that kind of talks about just kind of service you know if you want to think about kind of like a tips card or something like that there are more educational companies launching which is great to see because it's so important right now and you know in this industry which still has so much growth ahead of it and are you yourself still finding 
like unique and surprising terpenes that you know you you can create new stuff with uh, your chef and uh, things that are making maybe the, their way to your uh, to your menus. Yeah, well, honestly, I'm really appreciating sun-grown cannabis a lot more now. You know, it's a lot cleaner of a way of production of cannabis. The terpene profiles are actually a little bit lighter, but you feel more of a cleanliness from it. And you feel a lot clearer when, when consuming it. And it actually makes it a little bit more uh, tougher because you don't have quite the enhancements as you do in other strains. And I don't want to say that in a negative way. You know, I think it's in a cleaner way, personally. And so there is, um, I think, deepening my knowledge, you know, really testing my nose more to understand, you know, to identify smells in sun-grown cannabis. I mean, and you do smell a lot more of the soils and the minerals in sun-grown cannabis, and you recognize a lot more with the dirt than you do indoor cannabis. So that's what I'm really having fun with right now, honestly, is exploring that and, you know, doing dishes that incorporate with more of a, a healthier diet. So thank you, Philip, you know, to be on the show. I have now, uh, I mean, to end up and to wrap up, I have uh, five rapid questions for you. Okay. Okay. What is the one thing that annoys you the most when people talk about cannabis? I think it's the word marijuana and the identification of cannabis being something that is unmindful and lazy. Okay. The term marijuana was just kind of a made up word from certain industries in the early 1900s and publications. And it essentially was a derogatory term used towards migrant workers who were coming to the United States and working and, and they were smoking this marijuana, breaking the law essentially when consuming. And, and so that's how they played it. You know, they really used it as a, a threatening term. So that's why I, you know, that word really bugs me. <laughs> And you have seen that I haven't heard use that word in the whole show. You've been good. You've been good. I love it. I appreciate it. And so much of it people don't know, so it doesn't necessarily annoy me, you know, but it's like I wish people were just more aware of that term. What other things people do wrong when they smoke cannabis? Light the whole entire bowl and, and really burn. It's wasteful, you know, putting too much flame to too much flour. What's your most memorable cannabis food pairing moment? It was probably the entire dinner that we did in Aspen for the opening night of X Games that we actually got approved by the municipality, which was the first dining cannabis dining experience that was approved by the municipality to operate within its city limits. And we did it in downtown Aspen. It was an amazing event. 56 people, five course, five wine, five cannabis pairing dinner and you know it really i think raised the level and awareness behind these types of experiences and if you weren't a cannabis sommelier what would you be i don't know maybe a cannabis cultivator like i was before this or you know probably a world traveler somewhere yeah where have you been i mean I've, i know that you have you have been in a lot of different countries but australia thailand malaysia singapore I do a lot of nonprofit work down in Haiti, Peru, Colombia, uh, throughout all throughout the Caribbean and a couple of places in Europe. I got a decent amount of traveling in me, but you know to go, I also teach yoga, so to be able to go and you know teach and and live a live around the world. I mean, you know that's um you know who wouldn't want to do that for a period of their life. So what did your uh, nonprofit work? Myself and a few other Americans and one Haitian started a 
health clinic down in Southeast uh, Haiti. So we have, we started about five years ago. The health clinic's been open for almost three years. And that stemmed from opening, I uh, started some health and leadership camps in the Dominican Republic. So that's where Haiti stems from. But I don't necessarily have a health background, but I kind of just saw this opportunity and, you know, people in need and, you know, a real opportunity to help them. And kind of the cannabis industry really provoked me to want to help because I was making a good amount of money cultivating at the time and saw a lot of people who were and felt like I could really raise the money to do so to get this started for Hispaniola Health Partners, our organization's name. Once I started getting into it, I realized that it was a lot more than just raising money to get this clinic started. It was really about creating community organizations to support it and make it feel like it's the communities and not just some handout. And people would support it a lot more and want to utilize it a lot more because a lot of them have never really had westernized medicine or, you know, centers that are down the street from their house that they can actually utilize. You know, it's tricky in that sense, but so glad I got to experience that because you learn a lot. Do you still go there? Yeah, I, I haven't been there as often as I used to go there because we have such a developed board now and we have such a great staff in Haiti where it's kind of honestly beyond my abilities because we have doctors and lawyers and, you know, business minds that, you know, covering our finances and, you know, and so, and our doctors and nurses and some people who help us in, within the organization down in Haiti. So I don't go there as much, but I'm still the vice president and, you know, still do a lot of advising for the board of directors and, you know, at things that are going on and with the operations down in Haiti. Very cool. I really was uh, pleased to have you, you know, on, on the show. And uh, it was, um, you know, we have seen each other. It's been, I think, two years now. So it's great that you had some time and I was able to, um, to have you uh, on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you reaching out to me, Emmanuel, and um, hopefully I see you. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening today. No worries if you were not able to write down some information that our guest was talking about, because you can find all of those in the episode show note on flavorsunknown.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave a review or a rating as it helps other people to find it as well. If you have friends that are foodies, please send this podcast their way as I am always happy to have more people listening. I see you in two weeks. And until then, remember that people who love to eat are always the best people. You've just enjoyed another delicious episode of Flavors Unknown. Hungry for more? Hit subscribe. Tell us where you're listening from by leaving a review. And for social media and show notes, head to flavorsunknown.com.